Welcome to the Nordic Football Podcast, a new episode this week. I'm joined by my colleague Steve Wiss and I am Jonathan Faduba and we are back for another edition after last week's edition as well, analysing Sweden and Norway. Steve, I've heard that you've actually been horse riding lately, so I wanted to touch on that first and uh, ask how you're doing. <laughs> well, I can't, I'm doing all right, thanks, yeah. I mean, <laughs> well, would you believe it? We're um, uh, doing an episode two weeks in a row which has been, that's the first time in a while, isn't it? So uh, I think uh, we've got to give ourselves a bit of credit for that one. Now, I've not actually been horse riding, no, but, uh, you know, I've been spending a bit of time with some horses recently, as I was telling you about the other day. There's some uh, beautiful creatures at uh, a stable um, nearby, which my uh, my wife uh, owns a horse at. So, uh, yeah, I've been uh, looking. I mean, they're, they're fantastic creatures. I mean, for those who know me, you know, with a gambling history, I've always been into a bit of horse racing. So, um, you know, they're animals that I'm very familiar with. Fantastic beasts. <laughs> yeah, I, I've still been trying to get the image of you, you know, horse riding out of my head, but uh, I haven't quite been able to do that yet. But uh, another thing that's been sort of, you've been shouting yourself horse about, and I'm going to try and avoid as many stallion-related jokes as I can on this podcast, but uh, one thing that's been driving you horse this week is the game of the, game of the round in Norway, where... Mm. We have had a huge game at the top of the table, which we talked about last week. And this week, we're going to analyse the game, aren't we? Aren't we, Steve? Maybe you should tell us what game it was and uh, maybe lay the foundations for our match analysis this week. Yeah, Brand against Rosenborg. Um, it's everyone knew about this top of the table clash heading into the game. Two point difference between the two teams. Rosenborg with the advantage. I think the general consensus was Brand needed to win the game. Really. To um, I mean, if they if they win the game and then all the remaining games, they'd win the, the title. I don't think a draw was ever going to be enough for them. So heading into it, big fixture, and um, well, unfortunately, they fell flat on their arse in it ultimately. So, uh, but we're here to analyse it. Um, full time result: Rosenborg have won the game two two goals to one. We both watched it. Um, just before we go into detail, what were your snap initial impressions about the match, John? Yes, and I did enjoy our match analyses last season, so this is a good opportunity to get into one this season. I sat down on my notepad and I was ready to watch the game as an outside observer. For those who maybe haven't listened to too many of our podcasts, uh, Steve is the man for the Elite Serian. He's the Norwegian football expert. He will be the one giving the wider picture, the wider analysis. He will have the more detailed information. Myself, from a scouting perspective, uh, covering Sweden, of course, I'm looking at it more from a uh, general perspective. I don't watch the league as much as Steve does. So he has the main insights and I will just provide my own little twist on things. Um, looking at the lineups, I was sort of, I was expecting it. I mean, we talked about it a lot, this, this, um, this game, how big it was. And I really was expecting Brand to have a bit of a high tempo when they, they came into it. Uh, I remember mentioning last week how big it was for them in terms of their, you know, the title. You know, they've won a, not won a title in many years. This would be a huge game for their fans. But I found it to be a bit of a low tempo start really from them. And, you know, including the atmosphere in, in, in the fans, actually. I thought um, <clears throat> just all generally, they didn't really come out of the blocks flying. And I was really disappointed with Brand, I have to say, in the, in the beginning of the game, Steve. Maybe you can touch on it. Yeah, they were flat as a, a pancake, really. I think, the, I, you know what that struck me in the first half of this game is Luzenborg are used to playing in big games. Uh, and Brand probably aren't. And they just seemed to be like a rabbit in headlights, didn't they? Um, nothing was right from the crowd were too nervous. The, there was no tempo. The manager copped it with um, team selection. 
tactics, formations. They just they weren't at the races, and Rosenborg kind of lent on their big game mentality. I thought in in, in that half, and uh, yeah, the certainly the, early, the initial stages before a goal was even scored, it didn't look particularly encouraging for Brand. To be honest with you, John, did it? Yeah, no, look at the, at the lineups from a team point of view. Just uh, for those who maybe haven't seen the game, obviously ended two one to uh, to Rosenborg. Uh, goals in the 14th and 16th minute. Samuel Adi Benro and Mike Jensen with goals, uh, early goals. And then in the second half, David Vega uh, just after half time to make it 2 1. Uh, looking at the lineups, it looked as if Bran and Rosenborg both kind of went into it in a, in a kind of a 4 3 3 shape. But I have to say, one of the things that disappointed me about Bran at the beginning was just they, they seemed to be all over the place. Um, I think one of the main things they struggled with was just getting the ball to their, to their attack. The midfield seemed to be anonymous. Um, the centre backs. I thought I thought Rosenberg did really well in the sense that they allowed the centre backs to have the ball, and they just didn't. Brand centre backs just didn't seem to be able to create uh, anything sort of you know through the lines to the midfield. They couldn't connect. They kept hitting it long, and then were unsuccessful there as well. So <clears throat> and Rosenberg, when they when they when the play broke down from Brand's point of view, they they broke quite well. I thought Adi Benro looked very lively at the beginning of the game. Um, <clears throat> Steve, <clears throat> was there any sort of tactical changes from Brand that you know we? You know that made this not work for them, or was it just Rosenborg had analysed them too well and knew exactly what to do? Or was there something missing from Brown? Well, on paper, Rosenborg had much the better team on eleven to eleven, um, man for man, um, and it showed in that first forty-five minutes. Brown, I thought the thing that noticed for me, I thought that their defensive line was higher than normal in a game like this. Uh, it was as if they were facing someone really crap, and they. Maybe they wanted to be positive, but I think there was a bit too over positive. I mean, when someone like Samuel Ladik Benro is in the starting 11 for the opposition, you're giving way too much space. The left hand side, they were running right, weren't they, in the, in the first half? Um, so that was the first thing that noticed to me. The midfield was missing key man Frederick Horgan, which is obviously a massive, massive loss. He's probably the best player. Um, and it just seemed a mess without him in there. There was uh, players all over the shop, uh, no. Discipline, I think, is a good word to describe it. And then they had the wingers on on, on the wrong side of the pitch. Coombson started out on the left wing, which which surprised me. Uh, he's much better out on the right. So just a total mess, really, in total. But I mean, let's just start from from your point of view. How big of a of a problem was the goalkeeper goalkeeper for Bran in the first half, John? Yes, well, there was that early sort of um, mistake, wasn't there, where he flew out of his line and he was lucky. It was just, uh, he was, you know, he ran, flew out, left an open goal and then there was a shot on target and he just about managed to scramble back. But I believe, I think it was from that corner or, uh, you know, corner just after that, that they got the opening goal, wasn't it? And it was Adik Benro who scored the opener. He did look lively in the first 15 minutes and he poked home left-footed uh, to make it 1-0. What's your thoughts on him in terms of how he's come back? I, I actually felt that during the game, the momentum of the match seemed to turn when he went off injured. I thought he was a real threat in the early stages of the match and, We'll come to the second half in a bit and what change, but um, Adik Benro, I thought, you know, policy and strong. He's the, best, was he? he's the best player in the league for me. Um, but he's only he's only started, that was only his third start of the season because of injury. And now he's going potentially injured again. We may not see him again until next season, which is a real shame. But he's absolute quality, isn't he? And, uh, you know, I think he was a, a live wire and they maybe Bran underestimated him a little bit. Maybe they forgot about him playing because he's not seen much of him more season um and you know the first goal was you know the goalkeeper 
had um, cocked up with Bentner and then he saved himself and they got a corner from that and they scored from the corner. Just want to talk about Marcus Pearson. Um, he is only the second choice keeper at Brand. Their first choice is injured. So I don't want to be too harsh on him, but um, I thought he was an absolute nervous wreck. I mean, he wasn't helped by his defenders, but I don't think the defenders were helped by him. You, if you were back in a, you know, in a big game like this, you want to feel confident about your goalkeeper, don't you? And, and for the second goal, well, it was definitely mostly because of... I mean, he should never have conceded it, should he, the second goal, John? No, the second goal was... It was a quite a poor goal to concede, wasn't it, Mike Jensen? Uh, Bentner with the assist, obviously, put it through. And, I mean, it was a comfortable left-footed finish, but you, you might have expected more, really, wouldn't you? And at that point, it was 2-0 to, to Rosenborg, and I really felt they looked comfortable. I think what you say there about the, um, the kind of big game experience, it really did show in that first half. They just looked more compact. Uh, they looked stronger. They looked more physically prepared. They looked more well-drilled uh, from a tactical point of view. Do you put any uh, emphasis on the manager for that? Do you, do you sort of uh, look to the manager and think that it was maybe Brand's lack of preparation, or is it just Rosenborg better experience there? I think there was a Mugenburg user experience. I think even they were a bit surprised at how easy it was, though, because Brann are known for for a lot of the season. They were known for having a really solid defence, not conceding many chances, but it, they were cut open at will. Yeah, there was plenty of quality that Rosenborg showed, but it was far too easy. The defence, well, I'll, I'll first of all start by saying uh, Rismark should not have been starting at centre-back for Brann in this game. It should have been Bismarck Acosta. Yes, he has did have an injury a couple of weeks ago, but by all accounts, he's fully fit. No idea why. Acosta's far better and a proven defender at this level, so he wasn't in there. That was a mistake by the manager. Was that tactical? Or? Um, well, I'd, I'd probably say no, but in terms of team selection, it, was, it wasn't good. The tactics, well, Brand didn't really change the tactics too much with this game, uh, which you could say, is that a good thing or a bad thing? When you're playing against a top side like Rosenborg, have you got to change? You know, what works against someone crap like, you know, uh, Starbeck last week, is that going to work against Rosenborg? I, I just, I don't know. I, tactically, he hasn't changed. He, he doesn't change much all year. He doesn't, um, his system stays the same. So I don't really want to criticise him for the course of the season. But in the last two games, there's no doubt about it. He's, he started off with the wrong players. Uh, got away with it last week against Starbeck. They only conceded one goal there. It could have been three or four. This time it was two. And again, it could have been three or four, really, couldn't it? Melling missed a good chance. I know you enjoyed the delightful through ball to him there, which the goalkeeper actually did save. And I think Bent had another good chance. I mean, it could have been three or four at half time. Yeah, indeed. And one of the things that I remarked before the match was obviously Brown have only lost one game at home all season uh, this season, and that was to Mulder, 4 0. And they conceded four in the first half in that in that game, um, but they hadn't. You know, they've only conceded eight goal goals at home all season. So really, I was I must say I was quite alarmed by the way they began the match, especially when you look at Rosenborg. Their last three games, they've drawn two and lost one. They're out of form in the in the league. But uh, yeah, it was it was terrible from Brand. Let's let's look at the second half. I mean, at half time, um, in my notes, I kind of had that. You know, obviously Brand were awful, weren't they? I thought the midfield was anonymous. Um, what changed in the second half, in your opinion? If I could remark just on one thing, I thought that um, Jensen, uh, sorry, Larson, the number seven for Brand, was a lot more involved in the second half. Um, they managed to get the midfield more involved, and obviously there was a double change, wasn't there? Substitutions. Mm. Um, what do you think really sort of changed from Brand's point of view uh, to, to sort of well, make the line start? Well, obviously they've had a massive bollocking at half time in the dressing room, haven't they? Um, so for a start, mentally they've got more energy. 
they want to fire. The coach has made two good tactical changes. He's um, brought in uh, Dioda Bamba for Skalovic. And I've said this all season, Bamba's a much better player than Skalovic. Skalovic has his uses, uh, but uh, Bamba's a far more technical player. He's got a lot more energy. Um, and then he brought on Dave Vega for um, Christopher Barman, which, I mean, I thought Barman was one of the worst players on the field in the whole first half. I mean, <laughs> pretty apt name, really, because it was like happy hour, wasn't it, for uh, for um, you know, so and Vega scored, uh, 48th, 47th minute, lovely volley, wasn't it? And at that point, I can't be honest, Brand looked absolutely rampant, didn't they? I mean, I couldn't believe what was going on. Uh, so, uh, yeah, they put up a very spirited performance in the second half. They probably should have equalized before the hour mark, but I think once things settled down, Rosenborg got their shape back, they used their discipline, they used their experience to slow the game down, time wasted quite a lot. And and control the game quite well. There wasn't really that many big chances in the last twenty minutes, was there? So, you know, Brand no. period. The thing is with Brand, obviously, they've scored fifty nine percent of their goals this season. Have come in the second half of games, so there was an expectation maybe they would they would bounce back. I thought they were, had a flying tempo in that second half, and I think the added Benno injury coupled with the the double substitution. I must say, I'm surprised that Bamba didn't start this game if he was fully fit because I thought Skalovic was quite poor. Uh, I thought Bamba had an instant impact, looked a lot more lively. Just the team in general just looked a lot more lively. They managed to get the ball to the midfield a lot better. Like I say, I thought yeah, uh, Larson had two uh, shots from sort of relatively uh, close, uh, long range, which nearly went in. Um, was a lot better with his crossing and, and more involved in the midfield. But uh, yeah, then it just kind of petered out, didn't it? And in the end, I mean, would you say that it was a deserved win for Rosenborg? Ultimately, they're the 2-1 win. They managed to hang on. Uh, they ride out the you know the momentum of Brandon, didn't they? And that's yeah. a, a fair win. Deserve win. They were much the better side for forty-five minutes, and they did control the game well in the last twenty-five. But I tell you what, they were absolutely on the rocks for about a fifteen-minute period. And Dauda Bamba actually he had a massive chance to equalise when Hansen, the goalkeeper, made a, a rare mistake for him. Uh, that is the chance I look back on and think if that had gone in, well, Brand might have even won the game, John. So. You know, I think, yeah, deserve a win for Rosenborg, but they were given a scare. I think you could see in that 15 minutes why they aren't perhaps quite so dominant this year, why some teams have taken points off them this year more than usual. Mm. Uh, you also saw why Brandlets have been such a threat this year, but for the most of the game, yeah, deserve a win. And now five points gap at the top, and it's looking good for them. Yeah, two final questions, I guess, for you, really. Um, number one, is that it for the title race now? And uh, number two, who were you, who were you, you say was your man of the match for that game then, or you know, your two or three? Uh, standouts from that particular game, and uh, yeah, is that it for the title? Uh, it's got for me. It's gone. Uh, five point difference. They've got a much better goal difference. I mean, they're going to have to lose about two, two of the three games, really. There, aren't they? Realistically, for Brandt to have a chance, I just don't see it happening. I, I can't remember who their final fixture is against, but start is one of the games, and they'll beat them. So, you know, yeah, for me, the title race is gone. Uh, it's a shame. It's been close for a while, but uh, I'm giving it to Rosenborg. For me, man of the match, uh, probably the big man at the back, Torre Regineson, I thought, was very solid. And if you remember, he had to go off the field injured for a head injury and had to wrap him up. He was off the field for about five minutes, and that was during when Brand were quite rampant. So it shows a massive difference when he wasn't on the field. Um, thought adding Benry while he was on the field was dangerous. Conradson in the midfield, along with... Um, Tronson did very well for Bran. 
So probably the best player was um, well, probably was Bamboo came on. He made a difference, didn't he? Um, but yeah, I'm going to give it to him. Final. Sorry, go on. Uh, yeah, Tori Reginison for me was the man of the match. Yeah, just looking at the um, <clears throat> final three games for Rosenborg there, they've got Odd at home, Start away, as you mentioned, and Buda Glimt at home. So could be all over now. Anyway, that's a good analysis there. Thank you, Steve, for that one. And uh, let's move on now to the next topic. Well, the uh, the big match of the round in uh, the Asvenskan was uh, AIK against uh, Malmö. And uh, this was a match on Monday night. It's finished one all. It was a rather dramatic finish in Stockholm. Um, heading into the round of fixtures, AIK had a six-point lead at the top. That was cut down by Norsha being to three points. So a little bit of pressure heading into this game. And um, for a long time, it looked like Malmo were going to escape with three points, uh, John. It did indeed. And yes, um, the big game in Sweden this week was obviously at Oikor against Malmo. And it was a really uh, entertaining game in front of 31,000 fans, roughly, in the in the stadium. Again, Malmo had to win to have any real hope of remaining in the title race. Um, fading hopes, obviously. But AIK had a real chance to sort of almost seal it uh, with a win. But they didn't quite do that. Obviously, it's late. They've had to rely on a 96th minute uh, stunner of a goal from Seb Larsen to Donetsk. A real belter of a free kick from 30 yards out to equalise, uh, sending the crowd into raptures. And it's been a bit of a controversial one, in fact, yeah, because of his celebration, running off to the home, running off straight to the Malmo bench to to celebrate, sliding on his knees. Uh, the veteran player, once of Arsenal and Sunderland, obviously, um, didn't impress. The Malmo manager Uwe Rosler too much, uh, and many of the Malmo fans. Some of the teams were actually a little bit disrespectful, I think, in a way. And, and in fact, Ricard Norlings apologised after the game, uh, saying that they shouldn't be behaving in that kind of way. And in, in their reaction, I mean, one of the players, I think it was Haradi Rashidi, was acting as if he'd just won the World Cup. To be honest, um, getting in the faces of the Malmo players. So it did get heated at the end of the match. Uwe Rosler was sent off. Larson was sent off. So yeah, it's been a really uh, pulsating game this week. Yeah, I've got to say, it didn't look too great. Um, a lack of professionalism, perhaps. But this seems to happen a lot in football now, wherever you look around the world. Look at that incident with Chelsea Man United the other week when you've got uh, you know Chelsea's assistant manager um, throwing it in Mourinho's face when he's only just got a draw for crying out loud. It seems to be a common theme across the world these days. Um, but uh, yeah, back to this game anyway. Um, obviously, a uh, fantastic defensive record. So I wasn't expecting to see them concede any goals tonight, John, when I watched this game. So it was rather a bit of a shock to the system when they when they let one in before half time. And I mean, otherwise it was a rather well, not well, not particularly enthralling first half. There was very few goal mouth incidents, wasn't there? Uh, not too many. Malmo shaded the possession, but I thought it was actually quite an entertaining first half. I thought it had a good good flow to it in terms of the the, the um the intensity compared to other Osvenskan games, I thought you could see the high, the level of both teams. I thought it was a high level uh, for the league, obviously. Um, yeah, the goal obviously came towards, uh, you know, as we approached half-time, really good play from Soren Reeks, who was there as a left-back again, um, cutting in, and, and, and he actually did really well to assist the goal. And I thought it was a great finish from uh, from Christiansen. But yeah, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't too many chances, as you've said, Malmo had possession. But they went in one nil up at half time, and obviously with the low amount of goals that HRK have conceded this season, you, you wondered whether um, they would struggle or panic. But they, but they didn't, did they? 
No, I think you know, when you concede a goal right on half time, this is a common saying, oh, it's the worst time to concede a goal. But sometimes it isn't the end of the earth because you can go straight in the dressing room and sort of uh, stamp on it and, and, and you can recover quickly at the start of the second half. And uh, I mean, in that first half, you've got to say Malmo did well, didn't they, to match the strength of, of AIK, if you know what I mean. Well, they're a very good team, Malmo. I actually, you know, if you look at the... Um statistics since Desiree Rosler's joined they've done very well it's only really the uh the, the you know the problems early in the season that led to the the previous manager being sacked that have really got them in a situation where they they have such a gap so I don't think uh, to be perfectly honest that they you know would feel in any way overawed playing AIK um yeah I mean I think if we look at since since uh Virosla joined I think they've only lost one game and that was to to North shopping um in the league so yeah they, they've done very very well they're in a really good run of form although they've drawn quite a few games but um AIK went into the match obviously missing two of the key men uh in um El Yanusi and Adu who were both suspended for this game uh, they brought in a couple of players to replace them uh, Stefanelli came in um he didn't quite have the presence of El Yanusi and I thought Adu as midfield his presence was missed as well but uh, yeah, they managed to obviously get back into the game in the last minute. But a lot of controversy surrounded the fact that uh, Malmush maybe should have had a second goal uh, late. Well, with about 10 minutes to 15 minutes remaining, Marcos Antonsen had a, had a, uh, a goal disallowed, which to me looked onside. I don't know if you've had a chance to see it again, but to me it looked onside. Malmo were fuming after the match, to be honest, to take the brawl and everything else. I mean, Lassa Nielsen that he's never been so angry leaving the pitch after a game. Uh, he was absolutely furious. Uh, Uwe Rosler, in fact, said that the, the referee wasn't of a good enough level to manage uh, such a game of high magnitude. So Malmo, really, tonight, they've, they're, they're feeling quite bitter about this game, I have to say. And um, Yeah, there's a lot of uh, rancor between the two sets of fans, obviously two big, well-supported clubs. There's a lot of ill-feeling after this match. Well, I actually thought the last 10 minutes, Malmo had uh, good chances on the break to... Um... Yeah, potentially sealed a victory. The goal, yeah, I mean, I thought it was a le legitimate goal. Another uh, case for, for VAR, isn't it, uh, John? Something like that when that happens. And uh, and there was a good save, wasn't there, from the keeper of AIK as well, a keeper at 1-0, um, which enabled them to stay in the game for the for the last-minute equaliser before we, we talk about that goal. In terms of tactics, I mean, we, with this AIK bank of five, I almost think the match up quite well to it they were seemingly more narrow perhaps but um it seemed to work for them yeah they did well um i mean for me like i say ross has done a good job aik don't concede many goals and Malmo just had that i mean it was similar to the rosenborg game in my opinion rosenborg showed their sort of more superior experience their league quality their title winning experience and i, I felt Malmo did a similar thing they look like the team who have been there and done it, whereas <clears throat> AIK looked like the team who maybe had a little bit to prove and, and, and struggled a bit under the, that pressure. Um, I think the goal is massive. It gives them a four-point gap now, as opposed to three, which would have really let no shipping back in. But then again, I, AIK have, you know, looking ahead, they had a, obviously a red card for Larson now. Uh, they will also miss uh, Sungren, Daniel Sungren, who's been a key man all season for them. Both of them will miss the Ostersons game. So... There's going to be a real test of their squad in the last three matches to see if they can hold their nerve. And four points, you know, we were talking about potentially nine points so not too long ago. Now it's down to sort of four. It's, it's tight, isn't it? It's tight. 
is, I mean, they've dropped points recently, three draws in a row now for them, which, okay, it's three points, but when North Shipping are winning games, then it does the pressure. I mean, this goal at the end, let's talk about it. It was, uh, I mean, you're talking five minutes added on, and you're about 94 45, I think, when the ball went up in the air as a foul on on, on, the, on the striker. It's seemingly a needless foul, really. A bit soft, actually, if you ask me. Uh, but it's still a good 30 yards out. I mean, Larson, he knows it's going to be the last kick of the whole game. He seemed to really take his time, focused. Did you expect it to go into the back of the net? To be honest, he's got that in his locker. He's a <coughs> brilliant set piece taker. <coughs> Excuse me. He's a brilliant set piece taker and... Um... He's got that in his locker. Uh, I didn't think it was out of the uh, out of the blue necessarily, but to do that in the 96th minute of a game, you you know you need a point from that shows real class, doesn't it? It shows real balls as well. Um, in off the post, just an absolutely beautiful hit. I, th I thought um, the celebration may be a bit exuberant. Finally, enough. Um, a lot of Malmo fans have pointed out after this game that uh, Larsen was very very angry about the way Germany celebrated during the World Cup when they beat Sweden in the last minute. Uh, he actually, in fact, said he wouldn't, couldn't forgive the Germans for their celebration in the faces of the Swedish players. Uh, and now he's done it himself again. I mean, he claimed after the match that it was obviously heat of the moment and he said that's football. But, you know, I suppose uh, Malmo fans will point to a, a bit of hypocrisy there. But, uh, yeah, it was a stupendous hit. And uh, if, you look at, if you look at it from an AIK perspective, it was really, really needed because they now haven't won a game in October. Obviously, three draws on the bounce now. And there is just a little bit of pressure now as they head to Ostersunds, isn't there, uh, later this week? Mm. Well, the good thing now is they can... I mean, they've got the goal difference on their side. That's uh, 11 difference at the moment. So they've got, they've got that. They can afford a defeat somewhere, potentially. Um, it, it, it does feel like a big goal, um, for sure. Uh, before we move on, I mean, who for you... Who are you giving man of the match to tonight? Who are you top two or three performers on that field? Difficult to pinpoint, I think, uh, too many individuals. I think I think obviously Larson for his, his goal um, deserves huge credit for that. I think he, he did fairly well. Um, I, I didn't really think it was a game of individuals, I'll be honest. I thought it was a team uh, game, really. I thought it was Malmo's shape. Um, they did well in spells, the possession. They have some players out of position, as I mentioned, Reeks. Uh, I didn't think, you know, Rosenberg was up to his old tricks. He, he got booked for a, a bit of an elbow there. Um, you know, that was a bit naughty from him, I thought. Um, AIK, from their perspective, I thought they were a little bit subdued. Henrik Goiton was quiet. Obviously, Larson had a goal disallowed as well. So I, th I thought Larson maybe was the one who he stepped up really. And if I had to pinpoint one man, probably him. Um, Lina made a great save as well, but uh, I did think it was a sort of a battle of two real title candidates, really, wasn't it? One would be champion and one sort of defending champion. And I didn't really think there was an individual that particularly stood out, except Larson. Yeah, Malmo Arthur definitely showed their quality in this game. But, uh, you know, unfortunately, from their point of view, it was the second time in the space of three or four days where they conceded um, a late goal um, to cost them a victory. They conceded against Sarpsborg in the Europa League as well. So, anyway, uh, Norshipping, they cut the gap to three points ahead of this game. It was a pulsating 4-2 victory against Ostersunds, who are absolutely no mugs these days. And you were quite impressed with them, weren't you? Norshipping, yeah, I mean, I think we do need to mention them on this podcast because we didn't really talk about them last week. And um, in fairness to them, they've been flying. They haven't lost a game since July. Obviously, to Malmo, that was away. Since then, they've really done you know, superbly well. And at times, when they want to, they, they really can turn it on. Uh, and isn't this game against Ostersons, which was a must-win game, if they're going to stay in this title race, 
I, I was really impressed with the way they came back. Obviously, they went 1-0 down. Uh, Pettersson with a nice low drive, left-footed. It looked like Ian Birchall's men might sort of uh, have the advantage there. But Norwich, I think they're, they're a cool side. They're quite calculated, quite calm. Franson came back and he's done really well this season. He's been a very good player, I think. Uh, scored a goal from distance just outside the box first time. Uh, low finish. Then Kalle Holmberger, really, really uh, another nice goal. And when they want to play football, they really can. Um, shopping. Scrab with a nice assist. Uh, Simon Turns got a beautiful goal as well. And then uh, obviously a penalty. So, yeah, Norshipping just, you know, they were 4 1 up as well with, with, with sort of a few minutes to go. Conceded a late penalty, but uh, a 4 2 win for them. You know, and they're doing really well in that sense. You know, you have to you have to look at their you know they've scored 27 goals at home this season. <clears throat> so you know they have done very well to be in this race. And if you think about it, Steve, we looked at sort of Hammerby, we looked at Your Garden, we looked at you know Malmo, but nobody's really talked about Norshipping as a title contender this season, and they're still in the race. Well, you know, I'm just looking at their fixtures, and they've only their two matches against Trelleborg this year have ended in a defeat and a draw. So imagine if they'd won those two games like you would expect them to. They'd be top of this league right now, which is an incredible statistic, really. Um, they're not out of it, are they? I mean, they've got uh, Bromer, Poikina, Urubro and, and Hacken the last three games. So very winnable. Certainly the next two, very winnable fixtures, aren't they? Um, you would expect them to uh, to keep putting the pressure on, um, on ARK at the top and, you know, unbeaten in a long time. So... They're not going to go go eat quietly, are they? No, you're right. And obviously, they've got two, two away games. And um, I think I'm right in saying they haven't actually failed to score in an away game this entire season. They've scored in every single away game. So, uh, you know, that tells you that they won't be afraid going to Bromo Poikina uh, or Hacken, really. I mean, Hacken are flying, but, uh, you know, that will be a really... I mean, if it's still... It's the last game of the season, so it could be done and dusted by then. But... Um, mm. The key for Norshipping really now is just keep the pressure on. They have yeah. to beat Brummapoikin and Urubu and then just, you know, see if ARK blink really, don't they? Yeah. Um, at this point in time, are you still going with ARK to win the league or do you see an upset? No, I think ARK. I mean, I think that last goal might actually be the difference in the end. I think I could see it being two, you know, one or two points actually that wins the title. Um, so that last goal, I really think it's going to be instrumental. Huge goal, really, I think. Three points would have been a, com- a completely different story, and don't, especially when they're going to Osterson, who on their day can, can spring an upset. Um, but and you know, obviously, the thing with AIK at the moment is they they're getting suspensions, they're getting injuries. You know, the squad has been depleted, but they do have that squad depth um, to be able to see it off. I think just about, uh, like I said, they'll miss Sungrun, they'll miss Larson in the next match, but you know, Elianusi, those kind of players can come in, so should just have enough. All right, well, let's just have a look at the bottom of the table um, because, uh, well, well, I have to say it's another miserable, sorry sight for certainly two of the teams down there this week. Um, good news for Sirius, they're now safe. But uh, two big defeats for Dalkerd and Brummapoikina. Trelleborg, they did well. They came from 2-0 down to get a draw. Um, but they are five points adrift at the bottom of the table and they haven't won a game since the 24th of may which is absolutely donkey's years ago isn't it at the, the bottom of the table let's talk about serious first of all a lot of the season they were in big trouble but they've in the end comfortably survived well yeah i'm not sure how comfortable it is but they they have looked it looks like they will just about survive yet uh still not safe obviously it's nine points but yeah it doesn't look like they're gonna it would be almost impossible in fact for them to 
could go down really now and it would have to be a really okay really, you know playoff place really but um they've done well I mean, the manager don't forget they, they had a really good season last season and i think they've the problem this season for them is just they've conceded a ridiculous amount of goals 57 uh, which is way too many they, they've been poor they've lost key players i thought last season but the likes of Moses Obu and um, Hagland, of course, this weekend, who's, who's pulled them out of one, have kept them up. It's interesting that they're above EF Core. You know, they could end up finishing above a, a team like RFK, which is a, a, would be a big achievement still. Uh, Hagland's hat-trick this weekend has just about kept them up, really. Brummer Poikener. I mean, if you look at their last three games, they've beaten Elsborg 4-2. They've beaten Strelleborg away, and then they've beaten Brummer Poikener. Those are their three big rivals in the relegation kind of, you know, area. Um also got a very late point at, at, at EF Core uh, and beat them, in fact, uh, as well uh, at home. So they've done well. And, yeah, I mean, if you look at it towards the end of the, you know, the other two teams, it's really now it's Dalkud, Bromopoikana, obviously Trelleborg now pretty much gone. Uh, best they can hope for now is, 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 is a playoff. But I think they're down. Um, but, yeah, there's that eight-point gap now, isn't there, between Dalkud and EF Core? Yeah, and just looking at the Super Retten table, they've only got two games left to play in that league. It looks like Helsingborg are going to get promoted and Falkenbergs are in a good spot as well. Uh, and it looks like AFC Eskilstuna, who were relegated last year, are going to finish in third place. So um, at the moment, it looks like the, the battle to face AFC between Dalker and Bromma Poikana. I mean, Dalker, they took a really bad, bad, bad beat, didn't they, the weekend? I mean... What do you make of them at the moment? Because they have actually had a couple of wins in, in recent weeks, but it seems when they're, you know, they either can grind out a win, or they absolutely murdered. Yeah. And uh, funnily enough, Steve, they actually will go down in history and not for the good reasons, really, this weekend. The, the uh, 5-0 defeat against uh, Hecken, battered at home, was actually a record-breaking uh, defeat in terms of numbers. Now, this is a team that obviously has a bit of a reputation, you know, for the Kurdish community and everything. And, uh, you know, they've, been, they, they've only just recently been established. I think 2004 they were founded, um, had backing from the Kurdish community, you know, who massive fans all around the world. They've got millions of fans around the world, but not so many in the stands. And this weekend, an all-time low record in 52 years, the worst attendance for an All-Svenskan game. 202 fans in the stadium. Now, that is lower than you would get maybe in the 12th division of England uh, in, at non-league level. 202 fans for a top-flight game. That was the lowest since 1967 in the Osvenskan. And says a lot, really, about the lack of support for Dalko, which, was a bit, which is a real shame. But uh, maybe on the flip side, not too many of them were there to see them get absolutely destroyed. Well, I've got to say that's, quite frankly, embarrassing, isn't it? 200, and, 200 supporters? In a, in a top flight game, I mean, it's incredible. I mean, uh, I know they're, <laughs> they're struggling, but they'd, they'd, they'd won the week before for crying out loud. Um, well, it was going, but uh, yeah, they still know, you know, they, they're not very well supported, to be honest. Um, it's just... They wouldn't, I mean, I don't want to have to uh, ask you to be biased towards anyone, but would they, it sounds to me like they wouldn't be a particularly great loss to the league if they went down, or based on support anyway. Yeah, I think the perception, I don't think too many people will miss them, let's put it that way. I think they're an interesting sort of curious club in the sense that they, they mean a lot to obviously the Kurdish community where in parts of the world, obviously, they're a persecuted community. Um, and, you know, they've been through their own sort of problems in it politically and 
humanitarian ways over the years. So they mean a lot. They really have a special place in the hearts of, of Kurds around the world. I know some people actually who support them who, who have, uh, of Kurdish background and, and, and they're really passionate for the club, but obviously maybe they don't have much broader appeal apart from that and just don't really get the fans. So yeah, I don't think they'll be missed to be honest too much, uh, sad as it is to say. Um, I wonder who the public would support in a playoff match between Dal Kurd and AFC Eskilstuna, two very popular teams. Well, this is the thing. I mean, AFC didn't have many fans, but 202, Steve. I mean, they, they also had 211 for one of their previous games. So they've got two or three of the worst ever Old Svenskan attendances. I think you'd get more watching the local dog and duck, wouldn't you? I mean, uh, it's... Um... Well, I went to a non-league game this weekend, Haybridge Swifts, and there was 335 there, and that is mm. nine, I think, of English football. So that tells you a lot. Um, there, there's, it's what interests me. The last game of the season, actually, Bromopoikner against Trelleborg. That could actually be the game that decides who goes into the playoff game. I mean, who knows? Maybe even Trelleborg can get themselves a, a win before then and, and stay in the hunt. But really, I mean, all three are absolute turd, aren't they? Terrible. So, uh, yeah, anyway, there's a couple of questions coming from the uh, listeners this week. Um, we've got one about referees. How bad, how bad are the referees here? This is regarding the Swedish league, I think, compared to the rest of Europe. Lots of talk about refs now after pretty much every match. I mean, what's your opinion of referees in Sweden, John? Yeah, and that's from at Norrort. So thanks for that. I'm not sure if I pronounced that correctly, but thanks for that question. Um, well, as, as former analysts of, of, of France, me and Steve, we've seen some poor refereeing, haven't we, at times. Uh, I don't necessarily think the Premier League is, is too much better. I mean... I thought some of the refereeing I saw from some certain games in recent weeks in the Premier League was quite poor. Sweden, they're very, they're very pernickety. I think they're, they're quite strict. You lost often see the first challenge booked. Um, I always found that sometimes they're not very, they don't really encourage physical play, which can be a little bit frustrating maybe at times if you like a bit of rough and tumble. Um, I've got to say they got that wrong today. I thought it was onside, so I think Malmo were really unlucky there, but. Um, in general, I don't think they're necessarily too much worse than, than, than general. I thought Uwe Rosler is a little bit of sour grape saying the referee's not up to the level. Um, there's other referees in the league who also would probably struggle. Uh, so it's tough, isn't it? I mean, I'm never a big fan of refs anyway in general, you know, in terms of their level. Sometimes I, I wonder about their fitness levels, that kind of thing. But they do a tough job. Well, you know what? I'm, I just don't think referees get enough respect, John, sometimes. <laughs> and I think this is the problem. Um, funny enough, I actually watched a match in France tonight. It was a French League Two game between uh, Clermont and Brest, and it was a very there was actually a very very good referee in performance in this game, one of the best I've seen all season. And the referee was actually a lady called Stephanie Frapper. And I watched I often for some reason end up watching a game that she referees. And um, I have to say, whether or not it's because she's a woman and the and the players are afraid of upsetting her or, or they, they feel like they need to give her more respect. The match seems to go better. It's like when she makes a decision, the players just accept it and get on with the game. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And she referees it properly and uh, yeah, she let the game go on when it needed to be. Any bad tackle, she soon stamped on it. And it just felt like there was more order in the game. And I don't think, I think some referees are just too weak in that way. But there's a lack of respect from the players, especially from managers and benches, too too often. It is a tough job, like you say. Some referees are terrible, but they're not given the best chance sometimes, mate. So I, I do have sympathy for referees at times. 
Yeah, my, I mean, my personal feeling on it is I, I've switched. Uh, I've done a huge 180 on VAR, I have to say, since the World Cup. I was really down on VAR. We've had our debates privately. Uh, you're a fan. I'm not, I wasn't a fan previously, but uh, I do now feel VAR it needs to be introduced because I thought it worked really well in the World Cup. And I think today, if it had been applied, Malmo would have won that game and we'd have more of a title race. So um, it's a hard job. But obviously, that's, you know, that's linesman, isn't it, as well? That's not necessarily uh, refereeing. But uh, yeah, you make a good point there. Um, we've got another question, actually, quite a few this week. Uh, Matt Ryan, who's a regular listener of the pod, actually, and a good good guy. And he's got a question for you, Steve. He's saying, uh, well, about Norway. If another club could provide a title challenge to Rosenborg, would it actually help them improve? Or would they be on the same course every year until they're eventually overtaken? Uh, I think they would improve, yeah. Uh, you just have to look at PSG in France. Um, you know, they dominate the opposition every week, um, win every game in Europe. When a big match comes along, they can't always raise it. Yeah, they might have beaten Barcelona in, in one match last year, but then the next week they, they lose heavily against them. This year they look, yeah, they're struggling to get out of the group, let's be honest. They've lost to Liverpool, only drawn against Napoli at home. I just think um, you can get too uh, slack and too relaxed if you're the completely dominant team in your league sometimes you have to have really strong a, a real strong will um in the players and the backroom staff and the, the you know the, the guys upstairs to, to keep uh, improving as much as you can i think probably Bayern munich about the best example i can use a really really dominant team um but at least in their own league there's been teams like dortmund who do challenge them i think rosenborg it would do them good it would do them good to have a, a title challenge, but it needs to be a quality team, you know, not not a, not a year where Rosenborg are, um, are losing points and it's a low-scoring sort of league. That if they were challenged by a better quality team, then yeah, I do believe they would get better. Yeah, it's really it's really difficult, isn't it? When um, it's kind of like a chicken or egg situation, really, with these kind of leagues where you have one outstanding candidate, someone like Rosenborg, they get the, the European money, they win the league, they get the European money. They use that European money to then buy out everyone else in the league and they get stronger, isn't it? And they start to eat up the league themselves. So that, that's the way I see it. And you can see that around Europe. I mean, even Balkan countries, sorts, you know, um, places like Serbia, you know, you get teams just dominating one one team leagues, but obviously France now. Um, I mean, looking at Rosenborg, they've won the league. It's going to be four years in a row nearly now, isn't it? 15, 16, 17 and 18 after the brand game, it looks like. Um is there a club you maybe might identify that could step up in the next few years, maybe, you know, in a simple sentence or two? Yeah, probably Molder because they've got, they're a big club. They've got the resources um, more than others. And they've, um, you know, they have at least won the league in, in recent years. Well, I know it was a while back now, but it was about five years ago. It's close enough. Um, to, they can believe they can do it again. The big problem, of course, in these leagues, is that the top players end up leaving. Like, uh, Haaland is moving to Red Bull Salzburg uh, this winter. So, you know, the top players move on. And it's the same with Rosenborg. They've lost good players too. Um, but, uh, you know, at least one thing I will say, Rosenborg haven't made progress in Europe. They've made the Europa League group stage in the last couple of years. They're not going to get out of it this year. But uh, I'll tell you one team that might get out of it is Sarpsborg. Um, uh, Sarpsborg group with Malmo. Uh, both teams had a one-all draw last week. Um I mean, it's a really tight group, that one, John. How do you see that one going? Yeah, and uh, there's a question, actually, from MJ, at MJ Gould 9 Joe, thanks for your question, Joe, um, asking if they'll get out of the group. Uh, 
Yeah, I mean, I, th- I don't know if you actually saw that game, Steve, the Europa League game. I, I saw, I saw it. Um, I remember you sort of did say you, you caught some of it, I think, because you were saying moaning a little bit to me, saying it was a poor quality game, which uh, was also the accusation from both sets of managers, to be honest. Um, it was that he accused that Sartsville played simply a long ball game and offered nothing, and then the uh, Sartsville manager came out afterwards and said, "Well, it's all well and good Malmo players complaining, but uh, they don't exactly play like Barcelona themselves." Um, that individually game, I didn't think it was too good, but uh, with with the other two, obviously Geng and Besiktas, it's, it's tough to really see Malmo maybe getting out of it. But I do think they have a good chance, and they are in really good shape under Rosler. So, you know, the league's gone now; they can concentrate on it. Do they have the quality? It's questionable because I don't think you know. Obviously, before the games, obviously last week, everyone was on three points, so it was really, really wide open. Um, that draw, obviously impacts things slightly but uh, what do you think Steve? Well it's a really wide open group I've got to say it's topsy-turvy how on earth do you explain Sarpsborg beating Genk and then um, Genk going to Besiktas and winning there so I don't get that uh, I thought it was a terrible game of football in fact it was so bad I actually switched off after 70 minutes I said to you tonight it's an absolute bank and nil-nil so I went in the bath and I was surprised to see it end one all. I must say, I caught the um, I caught the the footage later on, and it was a cracking game after the first, after the goal was scored. Finally, both teams actually had a go. Uh, even the last five minutes, when it was one all, uh, you know, both fancied the win. I think if either team wants to qualify for from this group, they've got a win in uh, in Malmo. Uh, draw's not good good enough for either. So I think that's going to be a crucial game in determining who's got a chance of, of qualifying out of this group. Um, the other two teams, uh, I mean, to be honest, I quite rate Besiktas. If you look at Besiktas' team on paper, it's really strong. Seeing their centre-back pairing, it's um, it's Pepe and that guy from Croatia, uh, the big lad at the back, I forget what his name is. Um, he had a quite a good World Cup. Vida. Yeah. Um, I mean, they do have carriers in goal, so that's obviously one problem, isn't it? But, uh, I mean, it's a pretty good team on paper, so I'm surprised Besiktas are not running away with this group. But... Uh, Wide open. Genk won their one. Well, Genk won four two away in the last game there. So Genk now top the group. Um, but as you said, obviously Malmo Salzburg is going to be a huge game. Thereafter, Malmo have got Genk at home, and then obviously Besiktas uh, away. I have to say, based on that, I think they have to beat Salzburg. But I'll be honest and say I think Genk and Besiktas are the two two stronger teams there, and I think Genk and Besiktas will go through. I'll be honest. I have to say I, I don't really know an awful lot about Belgian football. It's not a league I'm familiar with. Traditionally, it's not very good. Um, so, I mean, I was surprised that Genk went, went there and, uh, and beat Besiktas especially. I mean, I watched the Sarpsborg-Genk game and I thought Sarpsborg were really good there. Um, Genk didn't impress me too much. So, uh, but yeah, it's going to be a very interesting group uh, to watch. And uh, it's, it's good to see two Scandinavian teams actually at the moment in contention to qualify, um, isn't it? It'd be nice to get one of them out there and into the, into the last six you know, 16, and um, and showcase themselves after Christmas. Yeah, I do like that, actually. It's been been good. And I was expecting maybe a slightly better game, to be honest, but um, maybe the pitch didn't help as well. I think it was an artificial surface, wasn't it? Genk have got a few decent players, um, but, I mean, it is, there is a chance there for one of them, but but I think Besiktas are a different level, really, if you look at their investment. And got to win. They've got to, I think Sarpsborg, Malmö, they've got to win this next game, haven't they, between, to have a chat. A draw's not going to be enough, is it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And Joe asks another question, which we'll move on to now. Uh, I'll, I'll throw this one at you, Steve. Uh, 
Who do you think has been the most improved player this season in Norway? Oh, God, that's a hard question. That is a really hard question. Well, he does actually ask Sweden as well, and I thought I'd throw it at you because I couldn't think of one off the top of my head. Oh, God, you know what? I'm going to have to come back with an answer on the next podcast, I think, for that. Uh, most improved player. Well, um, I think Erling Brat Haaland, um, as, as compared to the start of the season, improved an awful lot. Uh, there was a dramatic change in the middle of the summer where he just moved to a new level, and that's why he's moving to uh, Red Bull Salzburg for just three million, actually, in um, in January. So uh, at the moment, I would tentatively say him, just because it just, it just felt. I mean, it's not a surprise. Everyone knew he was probably going to do this, but he did kind of move up to you know two or three levels quite quickly mid-season. That is why people come to the Nordic Football Podcast for the quick thinking there, quick-witted thoughts of Steve Lewis. On your feet there, I enjoy that very much. My answer, I'm going to go for Linus Hellenius of uh, Gifsundsvall. I think, um, although he's you know getting on a bit, he's, he's he's not you know he's not spring chicken anymore. But uh, his goal tally this season has been has been just fantastic. He's, you know he's been central to a, a Sundsvall team that have um, really, as I keep going on about, they've really impressed me this season. Uh, they're you know seventh in the league, done very well. Obviously, tip for relegation. But Hellenius has got 16 goals. I mean, he's approaching. 30 now but he's, he's you know his 16 goals is, is, a, is a fantastic return really I think for, for him given the expectations what I like about him as well is his hold up play he's been holding the ball up really well this season uh, a real good focal point for Gibson's foul you know they, they base their sort of stylistic uh, tiki taka style play around him, him as the focal point um, he can hold it up he can score goals he's scored all kinds of goals as well headers you know target man type goals um, stunning goals as well technique wise Really, really impressed me this season. And obviously a bit of news that came out recently is that he won't necessarily uh, renew his contract at Sundsvall. There's a, he's got a break clause, I believe, in a, in a two-year deal. And um, there's thoughts that he may have actually be, be leaving, which would be a massive blow for them. Uh, um, but he may wish to capitalise on his good form and maybe uh, seek pastures new. But yeah, my answer is going to be Linus Elenius. Do you know, I'm thinking about it. I've had a bit more time to think about players that have improved. I'm going to give a shout-out. I wouldn't normally even mentioned this club in the podcast very much, but Ranheim have got a player called Christopher Lockberg, who um, who has really caught my eye from uh, from Bor One really. Um, obviously, not never played at this level before, um, and uh, he's really come on leaps and bounds this season. He just uh, adapted so well to the to the elite Assyrian, and uh, he's he's going to be moving to Brand next season. And, and that's one of the big reasons is because, you know, he's improved so much as, as the season's gone on. Quite a few players at Ranheim have, um, have done that, really. But I'd say Christopher Lockberg um, has, uh, is definitely a name to consider there as well. Fantastic stuff, mate. Yeah, one to, one to think about in, um, in the future there for, for uh, listeners. Uh, I think if I was to pick one other player, it would probably be Hossam Reich of Ostersunds. I think he's had a fantastic season with 10 assists. Uh, yeah, he's he stepped into the four, and there's rumours now that they I mean, he's actually a Palestine international, but uh, there's rumours that um, Sweden, he's still eligible for Sweden, so, and there's rumours that Sweden want to tie him down. One v one, he's one of the best sort of one v one players in the league in terms of dribbling. Uh, really creative player. He's done very very well, I think, this season compared to the last season. So I'd pick him as well. Hossam Aish, he's, he leads the assists charts in Sweden, so fairly obvious in a way, but. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd second him as well, maybe for the for the Joe there. There's um, 
I just noticed there's been one final question while we're live on air right now. Um, someone's asked me, who who do I think is going to finish second in Norway? Um, actually, there's, there's well worth saying now after Brand losing, there's only a two-point gap between them and Mulder after Mulder won on Monday night. Um, I don't actually know what the fixtures are, but I'm going to say Brand finished second. <laughs> <laughs> and that's from, uh, this is uh, Liam, who has literally caught us on air there. Uh, this is Liam, so... Thanks for your question there. Uh, good to see a lot of listener questions this week. In fact, looking at the table, I mean, we've, got, we've actually got uh, around this week coming up um, in, in Sweden anyway. I'm not sure about Norway. Uh, so we have games this week. Elsborg, Dalkurd uh, looks a, a big one. Garden against IFK Jotterborg. Uh, obviously, the big one really is Ostersund's AIK and then uh, North Shopping, Bruno Poikina. Uh, there's no midweek games in, in Norway this week? No, just uh, weekend games now all the way. Till the end of the season. Fair enough, yes. And looking ahead to that, in fact, there's a big game uh, for Rosenborg. Obviously, they have odd at home. I just wanted to ask you very quickly, do you think Sandefjord are going to get out of it or is it too late? Uh, too late. I, I do want to talk about Sandefjord, though, actually. Uh, briefly, before we go. Uh, it's, uh, they've had a great unbeaten run. Uh, they lost at the weekend uh, against Christiansen 3-2, but they've done really well. Um, under their uh, under their new manager uh, from Spain, and uh, I I'm, I don't really uh, it's a pronunciation that I uh, always struggle with. Um, Marty Cifuentes, foot on there, and uh, it's uh, yes, yeah, so he's he's really impressed me since he's come to the club mid-season. They're an absolute mess. Obviously, they had uh, they completely hired the wrong manager at the start of the season. And um, it looks to me like they're going to go down, but if they keep him and they keep most of their players, they should come back very, very easily. But the, the game on Sunday, they, they went 1-0 up. And Pontus Engblom had an absolute sitter one-on-one to make it 2-0. You know what? If that had gone 2-0, they're going to win that game, in my opinion. And lo and behold, at the other end, Christensen came back and, and scored two goals quite quickly. But if they'd just gone 2-0 up there, John, I, I, I'm giving them three points, and they would have still been in the race to survive, which it would have made it really close. But um, yeah, Sandyfield have, uh, have impressed me in, in re- they've recruited well in the summer, and I just want to give them a shout out for a lot of clubs would have just gone down without with, with a whimper and not given any fight, but they've given it their absolute all under the new manager, and I've got to say well done to him. Um, it looks like a battle they're going to lose, but um, you know, unlucky. Good stuff. And uh, I think we'll leave it there for the week. Um, I hope you've enjoyed this show. We've had a couple of analyses of big games and we'll be back for another show soon. So, yeah, if you have any questions for future pods, obviously, please give us a follow at Nordic Footpod or you can follow like us on Facebook, Nordic Football Podcast. Have a little look in your browser for that. And uh, please, if you've enjoyed the show, do share it with your friends. Goodbye.